welcome to My Story, His Story, Our Journey. This is Miss Mary here. I just want to thank all of the listeners that have tuned in today to go on this journey with me. And I also want to apologize for last week, nothing being aired. Again, I have been having a difficult time. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I've been taking care of my two-year-old grandson for the last few weeks, and uh, it's been very difficult to find a quiet moment and a quiet place to actually do this podcast, but it's been needed. And emergencies come up and things do happen in life that throw you a curveball. But I would ask all you listeners out there to please pray for me, pray for my family. Um, there is a an addiction situation in my family that has caused problems with our grandchildren. And uh, we will actually be going to court uh, Thursday the 21st for a guardianship placement for this grandson. So I'd ask you just to remember us in prayer. Again, I apologize to those that tuned in and uh, I had not posted anything last week. And I'd also like to say that we welcome new listeners. This podcast now have, has reached seven different countries, and the most recent is Saudi Arabia. So I'm so excited to see what God is doing and how he is stretching this podcast just across the globe. And uh, I do appreciate all of you listeners, and I'm excited to take you on this journey with me today. So I will meet you again in my part of the story. Hello, and welcome back to my part of the story. Well, again, as I was telling you, the past few weeks has been very trying and testing but it's okay because we all know that the trying and the testing of our faith will help us help us with the impurities in our hearts and the sin nature it'll help change our perspective on things and the Holy Spirit can use what we're experiencing to teach us and to further move us or propel us forward into where eventually God the Father wants us to be anyways. You know, it says to consider it all joy in the book of James and that it will work out for patience and perseverance. So it doesn't feel real joyful during the time. You know, my heart is broken. And I can only explain to you how I've ended up here on the journey that we're going to take. And it may be a little bit of a journey because I keep asking God, what? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to talk about? You know my heart. You know how heavy I have felt lately. And like I had said before, there's been times that you just feel It's a dry time, like, why is God not talking to me? Why is God not um, showing me what he wants and where he's going with the situation in my life? But always, always God is faithful. 
He is always faithful. Sometimes he may even just be saying, I'm waiting for you to settle down before I start showing you and telling you where I need you to go. And anybody that's had children, they've understood that situation. You know, your child's sitting there just trying to explain to you why he doesn't want to do this or that or why uh, you need to listen to them or why they feel that they are correct or why you know they can rattle on for quite some time and as a parent I've you know I have felt and I've been in the situation where I'm just looking at my child as they're rambling on and I'm thinking well when you be quiet we'll talk about what this situation is and you know they'll even sometimes stop and say mom why aren't you saying something and You know, the answer to that is, is, well, when you be quiet, I will. And sometimes it just takes that getting their attention for them to understand that they're not going to twist the situation. They're not going to change the situation within their own ability. Because as a parent, they're already in that situation because of something they've probably done. And sometimes... As believers, we think, well, I didn't do anything. This situation has been brought upon me from someone else's sin. And that could be true. It could be brought upon you because of someone else's sin. Which is why we should never say that our sin is our sin and it doesn't affect anyone else. Because sin most definitely affects people around us. Not just ourselves and not just our choices, but people around us will know and experience things from our sin as well and so you know maybe God was just waiting you know for my heart and my mind to settle down to refocus on him to rethink about how he's using what has been happening lately in my life to help me you know, again, I'm going to go back to Romans 8:28. that if we only believed and had faith in that one scripture in the Bible, with the exception of salvation, then you have faith in the gospel. But if you just took one scripture to memorize and have faith in, in Romans 8:28, it says, For we know all things work together for good for those that love him and is called according to his purpose. He didn't say everything was good. He said it will work out to good. So with the situation happening in my life with my grandson and with my son, I think, how is this working out for my good and your glory, God? It's so broken. It's so ugly. It's so senseless. I know you, if you've listened to every episode of my podcast and you've heard the one on addiction and the poem that I had written but I will confess to you my older son struggles with drug addiction a strong drug he is currently homeless in and out of jail he's lost his older two daughters because the mother herself also is addicted and we've been co-parenting somewhat the two older 
daughters and now we have a younger boy that's not even two in the situation and it's so sad to see children experience it and go through these things and if you're listening to this podcast and you are a child of the outcome of the sin nature of your parents there's hope here for you and if you're a parent that struggles with addiction and because you lost your children or because they are no longer with you and that pain hurts you so bad you seem to go even deeper into the addiction I believe there's something in this particular few journeys that we're going to take there for you as well because I will say that every time I have focused and I have thought and I just get quiet alone with the Holy Spirit like where am I going and then when I don't feel anything or hear anything I go back to the Bible and I'm just wondering Lord where I know that there's so many journeys and so many stories but I just I want to hear from you and I will tell you that as I'm getting ready to start into this I'm not sure how this is going to go as we go through this journey so I am sharing with you that God is taking me on this journey at the same time I'm taking you with me I'm not sure how it's going to play in to it I'm not going I'm not sure exactly what he's wanting to reveal to me or what he's wanting to reveal to you through me but we are going to go to the book of Jonah He keeps bringing Jonah back to my heart and into my mind, and and I can see it. I can see it in a way as to how and what he's trying to tell me, enough that I got to reading it again. And as I started reading through the first chapter, I thought, okay, I've already studied this book. I know this account. I understand this story of Jonah. And some of you out there may already understand it too. You may have already known but we're going to go through it. We're going to go through Jonah. And there's only, it's a small book. It's four chapters. And I'm going to talk about chapter one today. And as we go through it, and as I read chapter one, I could see how God was showing me something completely different, but yet the same. I can see where he's possibly trying to speak peace into my heart over this situation through Jonah and through the life and this this account of Jonah. So I'm ready to go on this journey. I hope you're ready to go on it with me. And I just trust God. Like I said to you before, this is God. This is God's podcast. This is God's book. This is God's journey. He's just using me as a a vessel that's willing to do it. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm not sure exactly where it is going, but I know he's leading. And I'm excited that you're with me on it. So I will be looking for you to join me over in the first chapter of Jonah in his part of the story. And I'll see you there.
Welcome back to his part of the story. So, as I said before, we're going to be journeying into the book of Jonah. Now, I have read Jonah before, and it's a wonderful book. It does have a lot to teach. I'm just kind of curious as to how this is tying in with what I have been experiencing lately, like what I had told you in my part of the story. But after reading some of it today again, I could see where it had intertwined, but it also could be something that one of you listeners out there, God is really trying to reach and touch your heart as well. So I'm excited to journey into the book of Jonah with you. Today we'll be covering chapter 1. So we're going to go ahead and just get started chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come upon up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now we're going to stop right there at verse 3. And I'm sure you picked up on a couple things already. See, the first things that jump out at me is twice we hear that he fled rose and fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And at the end, again, it says to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So it emphasizes twice here, just in verse 1, 2, and 3, that Jonah was fleeing the presence of the Lord. Now, we see that there's a problem here already because as we all know, when the Lord commands you to do something, it's best that you do it. You know, once again, I'm going to use the mother and father example. If your father or your mother looked at you and said, see, this is what I need you to do, and I need you to go do it now, you knew there was a significance in that. And you knew that if you did not move and act quickly, there could be a consequence. So I'm very curious as to why Jonah, when he knew he he served the God of the universe and the God of everything that we see that exists, felt that it was okay for him to go and flee from his presence and not do what he asked him to do. But do we do the same thing? We know that the Holy Spirit is the third entity of the part of the Trinity. And that is God as well. Just God is in that person as in the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit tells us to stop, to go to this person, or to witness, or you see that window of opportunity when someone asks you about salvation or about Jesus Christ, are you nervous? Are you afraid because there's more people standing around? Are you afraid because your job, you may suffer consequences for telling the gospel? But you've been told by the Holy Spirit in your heart to do it. Do you do it? Or do you just shrug it off, suppress the Holy Spirit, and move on? And what about believers? I know several people in my life that have made the comment that I knew that the Lord was calling me into this ministry or that ministry, but yet I was not prepared, I was not ready, and I didn't want to. So they went their way, doing their plan, 
instead of exactly what God instructed them to do. And they knew he was calling them to do it. And it did cost them dearly because of their choice of going the opposite direction in which what God had instructed. So right now, I can honestly say that this has already touched my heart in the sense of what I have been going through. See, my older son that I told you that struggles with addiction, and that may surprise you that I have a child that struggles in addiction. It hurts so bad. Any person out there that has a family member that struggles in addiction, or if you're a parent that struggles in addiction and you feel like you have lost everything and there's no way out, please don't believe that lie from Satan. Please don't believe that. There is a life out there for you. He has just blinded you with the drugs and the deceit. And those of you may be out there that's been hurt by a parent or a family member, a friend of addiction, there's hope for you as well. But I could see how God is showing me something here because I do think of my older son's early profession of faith. He made a profession of faith that he did know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and I did believe that for many, many years. Now, I'm not in the position to judge his salvation because only Christ alone can do that. But I know he is certainly not living the life of a believer. So either that is a false profession of faith, or Satan has literally taken him like the prodigal son, deep outside away from the father. And I don't know that you can get any closer if you think of the prodigal son being a Jew and hating pigs in the presence of pigs and that swine meat, but yet he was eating with the pigs out of the pig trough. And then I think of addiction and how that's how far Satan could take you into the streets, homeless, looking like a skeleton, losing every and any person that you loved, your children. I could see how the prodigal son could play in too. But so could Jonah, because Jonah didn't listen to God. Jonah went his way. Jonah felt that he knew best. And I also noticed that it said, and he went down and to go with them to Tarshish. Well, there we go. He went down to Joppa and found a ship. So we see he went down. And I think as we read throughout this, you're going to see that a few more times. So let's go ahead and continue. And it says in verse 4, But the the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. Now notice here they said to his God, not the God but their own personal God. So now we see people that are affected here because Jonah's in their ship and Jonah disobeyed. And it clearly says here, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. So we can see chastisement. We can see God redirecting what is going on in Jonah's life. If I think of Saul before he was the Apostle Paul, when he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecutest thou me? It's hard to kick against the pricks. 
And as he was telling Saul this, he was informing him, I've put the pricks there for a purpose. I'm trying to get you to a certain direction. I'm trying to get you to understand why are you going against me? It's going to be difficult for you, Saul. Well, now look here at Jonah. Now he's hurled great wind. So now these people are crying out to their gods because they, they're scared. And they said, and they hurled the, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. So now, I'm sure that may have been precious cargo. That probably was something that was important to them, whether it be food or something they were transporting. But it was important to them. It might have been their livelihood even. But they hurled it into the sea to try to possibly make the ship do better in the particular waves and everything. And then it says, uh, But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and he laid down and was fast asleep. So now he went down to Joppa, into the ship and now he's gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid down and he's asleep while this is all going on so the captain came and said to him what do you mean you sleeper arise call out to your god perhaps the god will give you a thought of us that we may not perish so he's saying, you know, we're up here praying to our gods that we won't die. And here you're asleep. He said, why are you not up? Why are you not praying out to your God that you may even have, help us? Maybe your God will answer and it will spare our lives. So now we see another part. Even though Jonah should have never disobeyed, kind of reminds me of Romans eight twenty eight again. It all will work out to good, possibly, because now we have pagan people that have false gods that they're praying to and getting no result. And now they have addressed Jonah to pray to his God that they may not perish. So I could see how God could use that scenario. Hmm. Well, verse 7, it says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they casted lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Okay, let's stop there. Notice he says, Tell us all about you, because why has this come upon us? He explains he's a Hebrew, and he fears the Lord, the God of heaven, and the one who made the dry land and sea. Now, this would be important, because where are they having a problem? In the sea. So if you claim that you pray to a God, and you believe in a God, and you serve a God, 
that created the sea? Would this not be an, a very important factor to these men? Because it was the sea that they felt was consuming them. And it was based on what he had done because he had already admitted that he was fleeing the presence of the Lord. That he had angered his God. And these men are like, so you have angered the God that created the land and the sea? And then they go on to say, and then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea might quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestous. He said to them, pick me up and just hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, there's been a few things said about that particular statement of Jonah. Jonah could have said, well, I guess if you, all right, Lord, I'll go to Nineveh. Turn me around. But instead he said, hurl me into the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but some people believe that Jonah was so stubborn and so bullheaded that he was like, you know what, just throw me into the sea. It was almost as if, was he really sparing them their lives? And he did say that he brought the situation upon them, but he didn't repent from the situation. He didn't ask God to forgive him. He didn't say, okay, I will go. He said, hurl me into the water. It's almost as if he would rather die than go to Nineveh. And see, that part right there hurts my heart. Because I also think of my son. And is he in a situation where he may know he may die? But he just don't see no way out? But if he's a believer... And he knows there's a way out. It's through God. It's through repenting and turning away from that lifestyle and turning to God to help you every day take one step at a time to live for him and to rely on him to get you through it because he can get them through it. Is he being so stubborn? Is he not wanting to live for the Lord? And don't get me wrong, we all need to take an inner look in our own hearts. What are we doing? Has God called us to do something, wanted us to do something, but yet we have a tendency to go our own way? We have a tendency here, Lord, this is the situation. I don't know why I forgot that you can take care of it, but here it is. And God says, leave it with me. And then we don't. We don't leave it with him. We go back and we pick it up and we go through it and we put ourselves through the bondage and the pain and the chains again and the worrying. I think it's easy sometimes to point the finger to the characters that we see in the Bible and we forget that the Bible was written for us, that it was God's way of showing all of us what we have in ourselves and what we struggle with, with the sin nature. Verse 13 says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to 
get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Well, through this situation and circumstance of Jonah's stubbornness, we can see now pagan men that prayed to false idols and gods now turn to the Lord that Jonah professed. And they didn't want to throw Jonah over. They actually said, they, they cried out that, let us not perish of this man's life and lay not this uh, on us innocent blood. They were saying, okay, what do we do here? He's telling us it's him. He's saying to throw him over. But if his God is the real God and the one that can stop this storm, then will he punish us because we threw him over? I mean, that's something I would think about. And they're saying, please don't put this man's life to our account. And don't put his innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they're like, if this is what we got to do to survive, we're going to do it. But they, they feared the Lord. And then it said, and it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And then they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So now we can see conversion. Hmm. So we can still see not a good situation, but working out to good. Because now these men are serving the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe and the dry land and the sea. Now, they exceedingly respected and feared this God. Verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So now they've thrown Jonah overboard and Jonah's gone down again into the sea and down into the belly of a well. Now I know that's a difficult place for some people like how is it possible? How is it possible that this could be? That a whale or a fish could be that big to swallow a human and it is possible. So three days and three nights we see again too we know that those three days and three nights was kind of important when it come to Jesus Christ. For he rose again on the third day. So, 
this is chapter one and I can see I can see how God could give me some hope maybe God's telling me that he's going down and he's going down and he's going down but Mary there's still hope as long as I am the Lord your God and you serve me there's hope and for each one of you out there that have similar situations know that there's hope there's always consequences the people will always remember that God says that you know that you will reap what you sow so there's consequences just as Jonah's consequences has came to surface but there's always hope with God in it if we just hang on to him and trust in him then he will guide us and lead us and show us the direction in which we may go in which way he wants us to go and if you haven't read the story of Jonah before please uh, stick with me to our part of the journey where I just follow up a little bit with some insight and then next Tuesday we will actually be going into chapter 2 of Jonah and we'll pick up there and see is Jonah ready? Is he ready to listen to the Lord? Is he ready for his hard heart to be softened toward Nineveh and the Ninevites? Well, I guess, like I said before, like Paul Harvey, you guess you will have to tune in to hear the rest of the story. But as of for right now, join me in our part of the journey right after this quick advertisement. Welcome back to our part of the journey. So, I hope you found the very first chapter of Jonah interesting as I did. And to see how Jonah's sin did affect others. It didn't just affect him. His rebelliousness against God and to turn and flee from God caused the other uh, people on the ship to be in danger and frightened it did work out to their best because then they did get introduced to the one and only true God God Jehovah Elohim so it did work out for their best but he did put them in a very frightening situation and it's kind of sad how my sin and your sin and my son's sin and others around us how it reaches out and affects all of the people in your surroundings regardless of whether you think it does or not and it makes me sad it makes me think lord help me help me stay focused on you help me be doing what i need to do and let me always be obedient to you that way my sin does not affect those around me well i'm going to just follow up with some reading on the commentary part of this because Uh, Again, I feel that that is um, so important for us to understand uh, the commentary and the breakdown on some of the traditional background information. It's always important. So if you're a Bible studier and the Bible says study to show yourself approved, not read, 
So if you're a Bible studier, please, you know, get yourself a really good commentary uh, or a Bible that has a Bible study in it that will give you some of that information because it's very interesting to understand some of it. And so it says here, like chapter 1, 1 through 3, it says, Jonah's commissioning and flight. This episode records Jonah's call to prophecy and his flight from that call. Two questions drive the plot. One, what will happen to the Ninevites? And two, what will happen to Jonah? So it says Jonah prophesied prosperity of Israel during the reign of Jeroboam the second, and that was in 2 Kings. It says Jonah means dove, a symbol for Israel as silly and senseless. Hmm, dove. It was a dove when it was the ark as well. You know, when they was no on the ark, they used a dove. Jonah will be true to his name, son of Amittai, means son of my faithfulness. Jonah will remain the object of God's faithful love. Nineveh, sat on the east bank of the of the Tigris River, about 220 miles north of the present-day Baghdad, and over 500 miles north east of Israel. So if you're wondering where this was at, Nineveh, you can kind of put it in your mind from those perspectives now. We do know where Baghdad is, and we know where Israel is. So then it goes on to say, Great is used 14 times in Jonah. Nineveh was an important, great city. And then it also said evil. As the ESV footnote indicates, the same Hebrew term, R-A-A-H, and then it says, was used nine times in Jonah. Evil or disaster. The Ninevites were evil and they were in line for disaster. Chapter 1-3, it says, To Tarshish is repeated three times in the verse to underscore that Jonah is not going to Nineveh. Tarshish is an unknown local associ- associated with distant, uh, distant coastlands. Was somewhere in the western Mediterranean, the opposite direction of Nineveh. From the presence of the Lord is repeated at the end of this verse to underscore Jonah's uh, purpose in going to Tarshish went down it says the same verb is used for went down on board is also an euthyism for death the suggestion is that each step away from the presence of the Lord is one step closer to going down to death so we can see here from that part of the reading this is a totally opposite direction so it wasn't even like he just veered a little to the side. It wasn't like he went somewhat over this way and thought, you know, well, I might not just go right away to Nineveh. <laughs> he literally went the total opposite direction, down the coast. And he just didn't was not going to do it. But at the same time, he went down and down and it says that, that those comments and the words that they used on the scrolls 
was like down, as in the more closer you walk away from the Lord, the further down you go is the closer down to death. And I think that as I read that, I could not help from think about my son and if he's truly saved and if he's running from the Lord and is he going down, 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 closer to death the farther he gets away from the Savior. And then it said, 4 through 16, it said, no, one chapter 1, verse 4, it says, 16, Jonah and the pagan sailors. This episode highlights Jonah's encounter with pagan sailors and raises the question, who fears the Lord, Jonah or the pagans? The key repeated word here is fear. At the beginning and the end of the sailors, fear is in the middle. Jonah claims to fear the Lord while the sailors actually feared him. So I thought that was a very interesting footnote too. Jonah claimed to fear the Lord, but his actions did not show that. But the actions of the sailors did show that because the actions of the sailor was to cry out, okay, we're going to give him over to you. But just in case we're wrong about this, please don't let his innocent blood be put on us because we're just afraid of you. And then they repented and started making offerings and sacrifices to God himself. So the one that professed to be the one ended up being the one that didn't fear him at all. He did just the opposite of what God had to say. And then it speaks on the word hurled is used four times in this episode. Just as God hurled the great wind, the sailors hurled the cargo, cried out, the sailors prayed, evidently believing that the divine being could come to their aid, had gone down, said it in contrast to the sailors, Jonah goes down below deck, taking yet another step closer to death. In verse six, it says, arise and call out, echoes God's commission. In the verse 2, ironically, the Israelite prophet has to be summoned to pray or summoned to prayer by a pagan sailor. Not perish, which perish is repeated in verse 14, 3, 9, 4, 10. Ironically, a pagan, not Jonah, is concerned that people, concerned that people not to perish. And again, you see the lost person, the pagan person, having more concern for Jonah than what Jonah had for them. Yeah, he said, go ahead, throw me over. But maybe he just didn't care because he wasn't going to go to Nineveh. But they cared. They didn't really want to throw him over, even, even though they were possibly dying. And then it says, cast lots. Casting lots was used in the ancient world to discern the divine will. Israelites believed that God controlled the outcome. Evil, it says, may here suggest disaster again. And then it says in verses 9 and 10, it says Hebrew is an ethnic term used to identify Israelites in international contexts. Jonah claims to fear the Lord, but his actions contradicted his confession. 
God of heaven refers to the universal and supreme God made the sea. Hmm. Ironically, Jonah confesses to fear the God who controls the sea, which Jonah is crossing to escape from the presence of God. The sailors who were afraid are not or are now exceedingly afraid. So here we see another contradiction. He says he fears the God that made the dry land and sea, but yet here he's using the sea to cross to get away from what God had called him to do. And then it says in verses 12 and 13, hurl and rode hard. So what they do is they pick certain parts up in that verse and I hope you've caught on to the pattern that they're explaining the emphasis of these words and why they were important but it says it would have been natural for these pagans to hurl Jonah overboard immediately but they did not the sea grew more and more tempestuous for God was not ready to have Jonah delivered to dry land so we can see here God's authority and power that he literally was not ready for him to be on dry land. So it kept the boat from the dry land. 14 to 50, it says, called out. Whereas each of the sailors had prayed to his God, they now prayed to the Lord. The pagan sailors, not Jonah, are concerned that people not perish. And then it says, have done as it pleased you. Echoes the liter let me I hope I pronounce this right literal language and 135 6 and is thus the sailors confession of faith in the absolute sovereignty of God the sailors actions are in harmony with God's as God had hurled the wind unto the sea And then it says, to start the storm, the sailors now hurl Jonah to stop the storm. So God, it's it's showing you how the pagans were more in line with God than what Jonah once again was. Because he hurled the sea and the wind to cause the sea to react that way. And they hurled Jonah to cause the sea to stop. Fear the Lord exceedingly. What started as a general fear grew into an intense fear in verse 10 and matured into the fear that is the reverent worship of the Lord. So it went from a slight fear of death to a more intense fear and they actually matured already over into a reverent fear once the storm had stopped. They made sacrifices to him. Sacrifice and vows, the exact response expected from people who actually fear the Lord. Hmm. Verse 17, and in chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Jonah's grateful prayer, Jonah's prayer is framed by an introduction in a conclusion, both of which mention the fish. In 17, it says appointed. This is the first of four uses of appoint. That underscored God's sovereign control over creation. Fish is not limited 
to what is called fish today. Generally cold-blooded vertebrate sea creatures with fins and gills, but is a general word for an aquatic beast which cannot be identified further. However, a large whale such as a sperm whale could easily swallow a man whole. Told you there was a whale out there that could do that. <laughs> three days and three nights. Though this may be symbolic expression of the time of dying and rising, it more likely describes the actual number of days or parts of three days according to acceptance, reckoning the days at that time. In either case, it has association with return from death or near death which perhaps is why Jesus likened the time between his own death and resurrection to Jonah's time in the fish. So that's interesting. That Jonah would spend three days and three nights in a fish. Isn't our God glorious? If you really get into this book and you really study God's word, Everything is together. It's so neatly fit together. Every I is dotted. Every T is crossed. And it is so neatly fit together that it is impossible that it could all be that perfect without a God of the universe writing it. We know that this book was ordained by his authority. And it was given to us. It was given to us for edification for knowledge, for understanding, for growing, for discipline, for everything. This is our Father talking to us. I pray that you know Him. I pray that if you are one that's been following this podcast and are just not sure about Jesus or this God Father that most Christians talk about, that you see them closer and you see them better and you understand how much they love you how much God loved you enough to allow his son to die for you. I pray that the first thing you understand in this book is the gospel about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary to save you from your sin. And then those of you that's already accepted Christ as your personal Savior, please let him be your Lord. He is your Lord. And God will always be sovereign. God will always be in control. He will not allow his children to be out of control. So if you're in a situation where you're thinking and you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I know that this is speaking to me. I know I have gone awayward. You know, the other one I had talked on in this podcast, the episode was called The Wayward Son. And... If you are out there, I don't care if you're a, a grown woman, a grown man, a daughter, a son. If you know that you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and I know that that Holy Spirit of God is in you, and He's telling you, and He's warned you again and again of the dangers of what you're doing, just as Jonah kept going down and down and down, please turn. Please repent of what you're doing and what you're experiencing and turn to God. Trust him with your life. Let him be a Lord of your life, not just a savior, but the Lord and the master of your life because he truly has your best interest in mind. 
And with that, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for directing me once again into the book of Jonah. I pray that you would use the words of this book and this study to touch the people's hearts out there. I pray that it would be a direction for those that are wayward, that are running and fleeing from you and refusing to live for you and the way you are, have ordered them and ordained their footsteps to go. Lord, I pray that they would quickly return home to you and not go through any more unnecessary discipline or chastisement or any pain that they were just experiencing from reaping what they sowed through not listening to you like Jonah. Jonah has got himself in quite the predicament because he's chosen to run from you, to flee from you instead of just listening and obeying. I pray you would help us all, all of us believers, to even keep this in mind, even if we're walking with you today, to remind us when tomorrow and the next week or the next month come, not to consider to flee from you, but to always listen and obey. I think of the song, listen and obey, for there's no, or trust and obey, for there's no other way. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. I just ask you to be with each one of the listeners, help them, let them use this word and apply it to their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again for listening in. And I will see you next Tuesday here in my part of the story as we go into Jonah chapter 2. And we'll see you then in my story, his story, our journey.